the Toddcast Podcast on ToddHancock.ca. You are the only participant in this conference. Uh, Jesse, Jesse's here. Hey, it's Todd. Hi, is this Todd? Yeah. Hey, man, nice to meet you. Right on, dude. Nice to meet you. Have you, uh, have you got time right now to, to rip into this? Ab- absolutely, man. Beautiful. Well, thank you for taking the time here today, uh, Jesse. We have Jesse Kinch joining us with the Toddcast uh, here in Vancouver, Canada. Jesse, I'd love to go back to the beginning with you uh, before you were making any music at all, if that's cool with you. you absolutely, man. Sounds great. What was the music in the Kinch house as a kid growing up, like what are the bands that your parents were playing you? Uh, you know, it was a beautiful time when I was a little kid. It was just, uh, I had two parents that grew up in the 60s and 70s. Uh, so when they were young, they had some of the greatest music, uh, uh, you know, around uh, being introduced to them at their age. So by the time they had me um, and I was about six years old, they were introducing me to all that great, great, fantastic songwriting and artistry. Uh, that they grew up on in their time. So, I mean, my my parents were introduced to me to uh, Jimi Hendrix, the Beatles, uh, the Rolling Stones, the Doors, uh, Led Zeppelin. I was even introduced to, you know, some of the more modern bands at the time, like Nirvana and Pearl Jam, and uh, you know, uh, Stone Temple Pilots. And uh, you know, there was there was some opera playing in the house, like Sarah Brightman and Andrea Bocelli. Wow! And there was there was there was so much. And uh, I, I I in my I think my parents really noticed how inquisitive I was when I picked up a guitar, and how naturally you know it all came to me. Mm. And that's when they really started you know uh, feeding my interest in music. So uh, from from then on, it was just nonstop, you know. Almost uh, like it was the the road paved for you in that regard. It sounds like uh, man, there was a bunch of music in your house as a kid. That's cool. Yeah, and it was just it all it all came very naturally. It wasn't one of those situations where you know you're a kid and you have a little bit of talent. And they're forcing you're, you're, you to you're go parent, that way. Yeah, it was yeah. so everything just happened so naturally over a period of time. I mean, it, I, I just got I fell more and more and more in love with it as I got into my teens. You know. I, I was totally in love with, with classic rock music and anything that was playing in my household. And, uh, but, I, you know, I, like I said, I mean, it, was, it wasn't forced to me. I still did a lot of all normal things when I was a kid. Um, just was a t- totally a normal baby, basically. Mm-hmm. So, you know, played, played, played in Little League, did, did all these things. Yeah. And, uh, um, but, but as I got older, like 11 or 12, that, then I began to sing. And I started fronting my own band, and that's when it, it, the, my own seriousness uh, uh, came out. You know, that's when I got very, very serious about, wow, this is what I'm supposed to be doing in my life, and I got to get re- buckled down and get serious. I kind of told myself, I said I have the potential, and if if I work hard now, by the time I'm in my twenties, I could be set. So yeah, and and how old were you when you picked up the guitar? I was six. Wow, dude, six. that's crazy. And it was a and it was an old, uh, an old beat-up guitar in the basement, and I, I was doing a little exploring, going into uh, the boiler room, which I wasn't supposed to be doing. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I, I saw a guitar, and I, I, I said, uh, "Wow, that's, I, I, I think I recognize that because uh, I think I recognized it if I, in my six-year-old mind because we were watching this, uh, this, uh, this VHS tape 
of a concert uh, called um, Fleetwood Mac the Dance. I remember oh, nice. being kind of fa- fascinated by Lindsey Buckingham at the time, and uh, and uh, I just remember, oh, that's the thing Lindsey Buckingham is playing. You know, like I didn't I didn't know his name back then, but I said that's a guy from Fleetwood Mac. But yeah. That's cool, man. That's cool. You know, uh, it, it sounds like we kind of uh, had the same upbringing as, as, as little kids. My same for me. My house uh, always tons of music, and not, I didn't gravitate toward the guitar. But uh, you know, I've been in broadcasting for twenty five years. I love it more than anything else. Uh, in fact, I was actually just uh, just asked to host a Q and A with Jacob Dylan from the Wallflowers tomorrow night in, oh, in Whistler. That's um, it, my, if I'm not mistaken, that's Bob Dylan's. Son, right? That's right, yeah, and it's the the project yes. that he did called Echo in the Canyon, which is all about right. the the Southern California scene in the late uh, mid to late sixties with you know the Mamas and the Papas and the Beach Boys and Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young and oh well, I I absolutely love what was happening in California in the late sixties. I mean, you had the Mamas and the Papas, the Jefferson Airplane, yeah, and uh, you know there's there's a lot of, and there's you know what there's some bands that have been forgotten. I mean, there was a group called Spanky and Our Gang wow. uh, that came out out of the uh, late 60s, the California scene. They had, they had a few great songs. Uh, you had, you like, obviously the Beach Boys, they were a California band. Mm-hmm. Um, there they were, they were a lot of, a lot of, uh, I mean, if I go into my record collection, I can think of some some rare, rare music that I have sitting, sitting in there, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so for you, which were the first bands to really grab a hold of you then? First, I, I guess kind of like uh, I was obviously infatuated with the Beatles. I mean, it was just like, wow, there's like nobody like these guys. I mean, sure. when I heard their, their songwriting, the, the, the lyrics, I mean, I was, I, was, I was a fan of every one of them. It was just, but for some reason, John Lennon really... His songwriting and his voice really just grabbed my attention at that age, and um, I mean, I, I remember being in love with songs like "Nowhere Man," uh, "Drive My Car." Um, Great, yeah, th- awesome. things like yeah, things like that. I mean, I loved Jimi Hendrix when I first heard with. I just when I first heard "All Along the Watchtower," I just thought that was a, t- a complete masterpiece. I mean, and I, seven years, six or seven years old, I knew what a, I just said. Wow, this is right craziest thing i ever heard i mean i i, I love the doors i love the especially the first album with jim morrison's voice man i thought it was uh he had all the passion and uh in artistry that that you could uh you could want you know and uh and uh let me think i mean i, I also loved god i love nirvana and pearl jam I, I remember the first time i heard a song like smells like teen spirit or jeremy it was just uh you know, it was captivating for sure, and uh, especially the video for I, for Jeremy was uh, wow! Like that video is awesome. It, it it really gave me the chills the first time I saw it. Totally, I, and same. I, yeah. I actually think I don't think I actually saw the music video till I was about thirteen or fourteen, but I, I always knew the song. But that and it's interesting because you see something like that. I mean, Eddie Vedder took that concept of that boy, that poor boy, Jeremy. Um, and he, he read the article in the newspaper about what happened, and he wrote a song about it, and it's just crazy how you can, I mean, there are things happening like this more often in this time period, and it's, it's, uh, it's crazy, because, I mean, a, a guy like Eddie Vedder was writing a song about that back then, but it you know, kind of could relate to some things that are happening now. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Well, that's why yeah. the, that music like that is timeless, man. It, it is timeless. I mean, and uh, especially, I think that might be what I 
adore most about the 60s music is that such just all these songs that they, they could have been written a thousand years ago and people would have loved them you know i mean totally you take a song like uh i don't know across the universe by the beatles or or even the simpler ones like 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 uh, i want to hold your hand i mean it's just it's timeless you know it's it's you can't get any better than that yeah 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 and what was your first concert that you attended how old were you First concert. My first. What was the actual first concert I went to? That's that's a tough one. Okay, I see. I remember when I was. Okay, I remember when I was in. I think I might have been twelve. I saw. I know I saw John Fogarty and John Cougar Mellencamp at Jones Beach Theater. Nice. Um, but before that, before that, actually, my first real concert was from a, a band called Living Color. Oh no! Okay, the cult of personality. Because they're right, the cult of personality. Great song. Yeah. My my parents. I would. I had actually played my guitar at a club called the Downtown, which is in my area, and uh, my. I guess my parents were kind of interested in the club, and we. They wanted to take me to some concerts, and they they saw Living Color was playing uh, in the club near our, near our home called the Downtown. So I never heard of the band, so I, I just. I see these you know, these four guys get up, man, and they're, you know, doing the cult of personality. And at the time, they had just come out with an album called Kaleidos- Kaleidoscope. Yeah. Um, and I, I was totally blown away by these guys. I was about 10 years old, 11 years old. And I remember me and my brother were actually sitting on the stage uh, uh, watching them. And I, I actually can recall, like, the bass player uh, saying to the drummer, hey, what's with these kids on the stage, man? <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> And, uh, but uh, nice. yeah, th- those guys totally blew me away, and I remember yeah, I getting the, the album, the, the Kaleidoscope album, listening to some of those songs, and uh, I actually saw them th- three more times after that, I, and I actually ended up opening up for them. I was their opening act when I was 15. Wow. You're kidding. Yeah. That, that's amazing. Yeah, it was their opening act, yeah. Wow. Wow. And you'd mentioned uh, John Fogarty. Of course, John Fogarty is headlining the main stage of the 50th anniversary. Uh, of course, the, the Woodstock 50th is canceled, but they're playing a celebration of Woodstock at Woodstock at Bethel Woods, and John Fogarty is headlining. So you're playing with... John Fogarty will be headlining the day I'm performing. Yeah. So basically... Amazing. Uh, well, we have a great great lineup. Uh, we've got John Fogarty... Uh, the Tedeschi, Tedeschi Trucks Band and uh, Grace Potter. Um, and then I'll be on stage B, which will be outside of the amphitheater. And uh, I'll be going on at about 4 o'clock, and I'll be performing till about 5.30. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, it, yeah, it's an absolute honor to perform the same day as John Fogarty, yeah, for sure. I know, right? And so you're, you were a winner of The Rising Star on ABC. Tell us about that, and like, what what are the nerves like playing something like that when you know that there's millions of people watching? Well, uh, I'll address both. I, I'll address the nerve question first. There were no nerves at all. Really? And uh, wow. uh, no, absolutely not. And uh, I mean, I remember Josh Groban asked me because he was the host of the show. He said, "Do you feel nervous? I mean, you know, you're going to be live TV in front of millions of people." And I, I, I remember saying to him, I said something like, "I feel more relaxed than it's live." because I just feel like there can't be anything fake about this. Hmm. I'd feel more nervous if I was in a situation where, you know, it wasn't live and the cameras were telling us, oh, well, you got to act this way. Uh, oh, cut, you know, you got to say this better. Or, right, you, you, you need right, to yell, right. at this, yell, at, yell at this person to make some more drama for TV. Because I think that's what was kind of going on during the American Idol uh, uh, a generation or period. 
rather, I, I remember they were filming the audition rounds, making a big spectacle out of everything, while on Rising Star, we didn't, the audition rounds weren't actually filmed. We auditioned in front of the executive producers. I was called down to Boston. I remember I drove up there to audition in front of the executive producer, and then they flew me to L.A. to perform in front of the ABC executives, and then they just sent me right onto the show. So there was, there was no nonsense with, uh, you know, like what I was talking about with filming the auditions. We just right. went straight to live TV. That was it. And, uh, and, I just, and the great thing about it was they gave me totally, uh, total creative freedom to choose the songs that I wanted to do. Um, because with a show like that, of course, I was leery, thinking, no, uh, they're going to want me to sing top top 40 hits or something like that. I mean, because sure. I, I, I didn't... <laughs> I, in 2000, I, I, to be honest, I, there's not one thing from 2014 I could even remember. Um, uh. And uh, But they kind of just... They, they fell in love with this song, uh, the producers, they said... What is it, with that song that you have on YouTube, I put a spell on you. The yeah. way you sing that, dude, that's great. Said, that's got a great version it, of that. They, yeah, they, they just kept saying that's the you got to do that on the first episode of the show. And I was actually originally planning to do whipping posts on the first episode, but the, I remember sitting with the producer Ken Warwick, um, an older British gentleman who actually was one of the producers on, on uh, American Idol, mm. uh, and he and he told me, yeah. That, yeah that's the song that people are going to fall in love with you. And then the second episode, you come out and sing Whippin' Post. And uh, from, from then on, I mean, it was just nonstop. I mean, I did Seven Nation Army. I did Money by uh, the Beatles. I did. I, and then I, I, I won the show. I, I sang Fortunate Son by Credence, Clearwater Revival. And I did Love, Rain, or Me by The Who. And um, it was just, it was incredible, the whole experience. And I, I went on with a platform. The platform was to reinvigorate the my generation with the music that I fell in love with, all that artistry that came out in the 60s and 70s and so on, and just to give them a taste of that, because it's, it's just missing, and it's not, it's not uh, prominent in today's music scene, uh, well, mainstream scene, rather. So. Yeah, yeah, and does it for you, Jesse, writing songs and stuff over the years, has it gotten easier for you? You know, it's different now that I'm in my mid-twenties, because I, I just turned 25 this year. Right. And I feel, I feel a lot different than I did when I was 14 when I first started writing songs. <laughs> of course, because, yeah. Because... We've got life, life experience because, now. Yeah, you know what, the thing is, you can, you can actually look in, into yourself and pull out things from life experience when, when you're 13. It's more based on observation. And it's not, I'm not saying that there always is an observation when you're writing lyrics, because things can stem from watching movies or what you see on a newspaper article, like we were talking about with Eddie Vedder and the Jeremy song. Mm -hmm. And uh, so there is still that observation, but the, there's a, another percentage of it that's coming from life experience now, because I've gone through a lot since I was 14, and I think there's more to write about now than there was when I was 14. Mm -hmm. So I'm just kind of excited to keep getting, putting new music out there, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. Love to get outside of music for a sec uh, and kind of get to know you a little bit more here. Great. What are you binge watching right now? Binge watching? <laughs> uh, TV. Uh, man, I, I, T 
TV, you know, I, it's because it's the summer. I've just been outdoors so much. I've been, uh, I've really been into um, exercise, you know, like running on the boardwalk or walk, just walking in general, uh, just getting a workout outside. I've really been into that. Um, TV, I, I, you know what I was into actually over the uh, course of this year? I was into the show called The Good Doctor on ABC. Right. They were a really good show. Um, the actor who played August Rush, uh, his name is Freddie Highmore. I, I, that 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 show is really great. Um, yeah, that's right. I, and you know, I guess I, in in terms of TV, just watch the news every, every night uh, before before I go to bed, and uh, that's about it. Right. On oddball, do you believe that aliens have visited Earth? Well, that's a very uh, that that's a. That question came out of nowhere. Um, to, do I believe that aliens have ever visited Earth? Um, it's a possibility. I mean, I, I, I mean, you can't. The thing is, the universe is so big. There are our solar system is just one out of billions, billions, trillions, maybe. Um, yeah. I mean, it would. I mean, the fact is, it would take a hundred thousand years to travel across our galaxy at light speed. So all that space, I mean, there's definitely life somewhere, but, I mean, finding the Earth would be like finding a needle in a haystack. It's just, um, it's, it's just kind of hard to even answer that question. It's possible, but I don't know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who's your favorite uh, superhero and your su- favorite superhero movie? Um, okay. Well, I remember when I was in elementary school, Spider-Man had come out with Tobey Maguire, you know, the Tobey Maguire version. Right. Um, I remember I used to love that, all, all three of those movies. Um, uh, I love, I guess, Superman as well. I mean, who doesn't love Superman? How could you right. not? <laughs> I mean, and Christopher, Christopher Reeve is the, the only Superman, you know? Of course. I mean, the original. Yeah. And which superpower would you want to have? Um, which superpower do I have? Um, it may, I, you know what, maybe, maybe to, uh, I guess it would be pretty interesting to be invisible if you can, yeah. just, you know, walk in on anyone's conversation or, or to see if somebody's talking about you behind your back. I don't know. <laughs> Certainly it's the, <laughs> that would be kind of interesting. The fly on the wall for sure. Yeah. Did you catch the Motley Crue movie? And I, I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Motley, you know what I heard about it. I did not catch it. What was it? What was it? A Netflix thing? It or? was a Netflix thing. And as a as a lifelong fan, uh, it was okay. I and the reason I I kind of wanted to bring this up to you was more uh, wondering: Are you taping a lot of your day to day? Are are you doing shows and the backstage stuff? I guess the question is: Is will be will we be seeing uh, a Jesse Kinch documentary in the future? Oh, it's any listen. Anything's a possibility. We we actually. There is a lot of uh, footage behind the scenes, things that we've taken over the course of a few years. So, I mean, yeah. you know, you never know. And nobody's ever seen that stuff, so it's a possibility. You never know someday. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But uh, I, I did not catch that Motley Crue thing. I, it was okay. You know what? I'm not, yeah, I'm not, you know what? I was really heavily into 60s, 70s, and 90s rock, and for some reason the 80s kind of just, I, I, some, there were, of course there was some great music happening in the 80s, but... I think uh, I think rock and roll lost a bit of its spirit in the '80s. Its true spirit. Yeah, I wonder I think, why that I is, and, I, and, and I do agree with you. By the way, yeah, I mean the '70s. It's the the '70s is the best uh, we've ever had. Yeah, I think. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for taking the time to uh, to join us. Is there anything else that we needed to touch on here, or you, have you got anything that uh, that you wanted to bring up as well? Or well, I'll just tell you, my debut album is available everywhere. It's called "I'm Not Like Everybody Else." It's available on vinyl, CD, and uh, on all digital platforms. Um, and uh, look out for new music over the next year. Perfect. You're easy to find online as well. Uh, simply your name, Jesse Kinch, on social media. Yes. And uh, I guess we'll see you online. Subscribe on iTunes at Toddcast Podcast.